0: Welcome to Conversations with Grace, the podcast, the place where we delve into the processes and strategies that these entrepreneurs use to manifest success. You will get inspiration from these individuals who found their life purpose. What could be better than living your passion? Have a listen as they talk about their journey. Hi and welcome to Conversations with Grace and I have a lovely special guest today. Her name is Julie McLean and she's Director of Global Enterprise Sales Strategy at FCM Travel Solutions Australia. Welcome Julie. Hi Grace, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. So let's start at the beginning. How did you get into this wonderful world of travel in the travel industry? So Grace, I got into the
1: travel industry quite a long time ago. After I'd travelled around the world uh, quite significantly, I decided that travel was my passion and I wanted to work in the industry. I will tell you it was um, early 90s. And uh, so the the way I knew to to go out and try and get a job was to go to recruitment consultants. So I found the consultants that specialised in the travel industry uh, to be told that um, you can't get a job in the travel industry unless you have experience in the travel industry. So the travelling experience I had didn't count for anything, unfortunately, and they, they literally did not even have the time to even meet with me and advise. So what I went about doing was I went about educating myself and I got a diploma in travel and tourism, which I actually studied. We would now do that online, but at the time it was actually via post. By post? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> And I also put myself through a GDS course for a week. So I attended the Galileo offices and did Galileo quick start training so that I could become a travel consultant proficient in Galileo. Now, I didn't realize at the time that not all travel agents actually used that particular GDS system. Um, So it was only by pure coincidence one day as I was walking through Melbourne Central, there was a flight centre, retail store, just as you enter the train station there. And I walked in there and because I walked past it every day and they seem to have a lot of fun in there.
0: Yes. And so I
1: walked in there and I spoke to a girl by the name of Felicia and I asked how I could go about inquiring about getting a job and she actually gave me an application form. So that's how it all started. I actually applied directly to flight centre. Okay. So what was your first job? What did you do? I was in a retail shop. So um, my first retail location was Hawthorne Flight Centre. And then I moved into the city into a little laneway store in Little Collins Street. Then I had the opportunity to help open up Southgate Flight Centre. So that was fantastic. And and Southbank at the time was a very new complex. You know, that was exciting. You know, we had two big office towers and lots of busy office workers that would come down during their lunch break and dream about travelling. So we had lots of people, traffic coming through there. Um, But I only spent three years in leisure before um, I got a call one day to see if I'd be interested in moving into corporate. When that happened, I thought I'd done something wrong.
0: (laughs) They obviously noticed your skills and, um, yes, your sales skills possibly. So,
1: Possibly they did.
0: What role did you take on after that in corporate? Oh, so I started in corporate as a travel
1: consultant. So, um, which in the corporate traveller business at the time, um, we were called travel managers or account managers. Sorry, we were called account managers. So, this is before the actual account management role existed. And uh, so, I spent a number of years managing travel or corporate customers, small to medium sized customers. So often it was a company that might have only a couple of travellers with them. And of course, everything at the time was by phone, fax, paper ticket. Then we moved to email, which was very exciting. Oh,
0: that would have been very exciting.
1: <laughs> then there was a couple of disruptors came into the market and uh, you know, Virgin Blue started up And had their own online tool where you could book flights and then we moved into e-tickets and things like that. So I was five years in the travel consultant role in corporate before I moved into business development. Spent a lot of time with our corporate traveller business, but I also worked in the campus travel business and the FCM travel solutions business. So looking after a whole range of different customers from small, local to universities and academic travel programs, which are very, very complex, and now in the FCM space looking after global programs. So do you know what? In thinking about our conversation that we were going to have today, yes. and it was funny because it was only about half an hour ago, I remembered that recruitment consultant telling me I couldn't get a job in travel unless I had travel experience. Yes, Yeah. So it's a bit of a catch-22 comment. Definitely was. And it also is sort of, I think, a lesson that when someone says you can't do something, you find a way.
0: You do find a way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's just you've... It's perseverance. you You can't take that no that someone says as the end. Yes. That's just no right now or no with them or and work around it
0: yep and you just say thank you and move on but it's um ask 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 right just keep asking yep it's a law of probability somebody eventually will say yes that's true follow me on instagram at grace underscore cheval. can you tell me any past projects that you've been part of that have been really successful
1: yeah sure so i've uh, There's one that really stands out for me. There's there's lots of them, but there's one that probably stands out over recent times, which was 2016. And I spent a good part of 2016 working alongside a large global mining organisation, and they had very complex requirements, but one of the big things that they needed to do uh, going through a bit of a transition was take a lot of cost out of their business. And so that was a fantastic learning curve.
0: Yes, creatively.
1: (laughs) Uh, Working alongside their team and spending a lot of time in their actual office and actually delving into operational, mining operational and on-site logistics and what solutions there might be available to actually help remove cost out of the mine site operational side of things, as well as just the travel program. So it it went beyond a client supplier relationship. And I really became embedded in their business to help holistically look at streamlining processes, making processes more efficient, and taking cost out of their business. And it did last a long time, that project.
0: You would have had to actually learn the start, all about their business, to be able to help them.
1: Yes, that was a fantastic opportunity that was presented to me. It gave me the opportunity also to get into the psyche of the customer. When I've predominantly spent most of my life as a supplier providing services, oh, yes. um, it gave me that great opportunity to look at how a customer evaluates cost models and solutions
0: amazing was a great learning experience for you
1: yeah fantastic Mm. and 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 so the the more challenging a project the more satisfying it is at the end as well absolutely yeah so that's probably why that one stands out quite significantly
0: so what are you working on is there any major project you're working on at the moment
1: would you believe that during this particular period i am busier than ever
0: That was my question, but yeah.
1: I think I may be more busy. I think I may be as busy right now as I was back in that period in 2016. Alongside that customer that I just explained that project on in 2016, I had two other major projects going at the same time. So I had three massive projects on in 2016. It was probably one of the busiest periods I can remember in my career. So right now, this is isolation busy. And it's a very different type of busy and and I bring this up regularly and I was on a call about an hour ago with a brand new customer that we're just starting to transition into our business, which is very exciting because tenders have not stopped. Wow! Customers are still reviewing the market. They are still doing their RFPs and their tenders and uh, which is fantastic because that means I get to keep very busy. But the busyness that I think we're all experiencing right now is that in my non-isolation life, I get up in the morning, I go to the gym, I come home, I get ready for work and I walk through a beautiful park to go to the office. Lovely. Right now, I only have to walk from the kitchen to my office in the <laughs> front room of my house to go to work. So I don't have that same downtime of that 20-minute walk to the office through the park, it's a 30-second walk instead. So we're working longer and we don't have that commute time, whether it's the train or the car or the walk to the office. We don't have that downtime that we normally get. So I think there is a bit of an isolation fatigue that people are experiencing because everybody is at work more. The other thing that I used to say is I come to the office or I go to the office to socialise because if I'm really busy, I'll work from home anyway because I can get more done. Now I'm in that period all the time. I'm in the getting more done every single day. So where I could work from home and achieve a full day's work in three hours, I'm now working maybe three days in a day. Yes, you're being more productive. Because the extra work that I can get done. Yes. So the socialisation that we miss and how we get more time, you know, there's no more kitchen conversations or <laughs> hallway conversations. The water cooler conversations the water cooler, disappeared.
0: to say the yeah, water Yeah, it's
1: disappeared. And so yep. I really miss all that socialisation and having it over Zoom, so obviously you contact me and ask if I want to jump on and have a conversation. I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> of course because um, I'm missing that uh, that human interaction that we have yeah when we do go to the office so
0: and that's why with the current events that are going on I thought it would be a great idea to get hold of people whereas normally they might have been more much more busy at certain times whereas now I was quite surprised I thought I'd get the feelers out I sent a lot of messages and emails and I got got quite a good response and I was quite amazed (laughs) You know, so it's it's been great to have a talk with people that I don't normally talk to.
1: Yeah, I think what you're doing is fantastic. So that's one thing people are gravitating to that inspiration that you want to put out there and share. But it's probably maybe a little of the other is that you know maybe some people are starving that conversation as well. That's right. (laughs) So back to your question, there's a lot of different projects going on. So our company has been really um, proactive in sharing information. I've been helping to formulate some of the communication that's going out, you know, just tailoring different communication to different customers as well. So last week I recorded a one-on-one conversation with a colleague that I shared with a customer, engaging in different ways.
0: What specific, a typical corporate customer What would be the different requests that they would have as opposed to, you know, the average person that would walk into a travel agency?
1: So the leisure and the corporate sides of the businesses are very, very different. Mm. So most of the customers that I now deal with um, in my particular role are global. So they have a multinational footprint Uh, And the people that I talk to, they're responsible for putting in place a program, a travel program to ensure ease of travel, ease of communication, access to the best deals, but to make sure that all of their people are safe and secure when they travel. And at this point in time, that has become the biggest focus So where companies may have sat back and thought, I've got a great program, I've got a travel company in America that's looking after us and I've got a different one in Europe and a different one in Asia and I've got Australia and New Zealand sitting with another one. All of a sudden, COVID happened and they realised that they have great programs and great suppliers but too fragmented and they need to pull it in together. So consolidation is becoming sort of like a higher priority right now that people are looking at to have a single supplier and making sure that they've got the duty of care processes in place so that they will be able to find their people, communicate with their people if anything goes wrong. Now, right now, not many people are travelling. So I think there's perhaps the three phases. Uh, There was, first of all, there was the triage the emergency situation. Where is everyone? How do I get them home? Yeah. And we're very fortunate, part of Flights in a Travel group, we actually have access to our own charter company.
0: Oh, really?
1: So, our own charter company has been engaged by authorities to organise aircraft to bring Australian citizens and Australian residents back to Australia from some countries. Uh, so, that's been quite interesting to watch from the sidelines that happening. So that's sort of part of the triage part, getting everyone back to their home country and making sure that they're safe. Now we're sort of in this transition phase where people are really delving into their processes. What if my airline supplier doesn't make it through?
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm not referring to any of our national carriers here in Australia, because I'm sure they both will be surviving. But Some companies um, in other parts of the world may have a tendency to have leveraged low-cost carriers that may just not make it through. And so then what are they going to do with that? When their people start travelling again, they've got to have backup plans in place to know that they're going to be able to get people on aircraft so that they can reignite their business um, and move ahead with their business plans when we start flying again.
0: So many repercussions of these events, isn't there?
1: There really is.
0: That you really don't think of. Every day we learn something new. Oh, this has happened. Oh, I didn't even think of that. It's affected so many different industries, organisations, in different ways, I guess. It has. Depending on what the businesses are. It has. Follow me on my Facebook page at gracechevelle.liveyourpassion. Tell me, what do you think your major strength or skill is in in what you do
1: oh me personally you personally oh ah grace i'm sure
0: there's lots but
1: just pick one something i've always held on to is that i see things through the customer's eyes that's a great answer thank you so if <laughs> i and i think back to even when i was sitting in that flight center retail shop yes i would help a customer and give customer advice in the same way that I would be looking for that yep. myself to receive. And now I think of it the same way in corporate. So regardless of the size of a corporate client, um, you know whether they're in one country, 10 countries, 30 or 50 countries or more, they get the same level of energy from me. So whenever anything gets communicated to them, I always look at it through the eyes of, is this something I can share with my people? If I'm the customer, can is that useful for my people? Is that valuable to me? So I always still see things from the customer's perspective.
0: You said that, um, I read your bio, by the way, and you say that managing corporate programs cannot be achieved by technology alone. Well, I know. I love it. So can you talk a little bit about that, about the people factor? So there's been a rush
1: on technology, hasn't there? Crazy big big rush on technology and poor zoom zoom's been overloaded (laughs) i know what a great invention that is fantastic yeah so technology is a fantastic enabler Mm -hmm. but if you're traveling and something goes wrong you pick up the phone absolutely you don't open an app you don't look on a website you pick up the phone to call someone if you've booked directly with the airline, then you have to call the airline direct. And I often will hear from people that, especially when a crisis has hit, that they will spend three hours on hold on the phone waiting for the airline to pick up. Yes. So the importance of, and this goes for retail as well as corporate if you've booked with a retail travel agent during these times, there's going to be a lot of people trying to contact them. Yep. But there's a 24-hour service and so you know you're going to get to speak to someone. And our, our emergency service teams have been doing an absolutely amazing job and it's all people. It's all the people.
0: You still need that human factor, don't you? That's
1: yeah. The volumes of trips that have been postponed, cancelled, tickets put into credit, all that side of things has to be managed by people. So I recently, and this recently might have been earlier today, (laughs) had a conversation with a corporate customer who wanted to have the best technology in the industry to manage their program. And then as they were going through their review process, they realised actually the fanciest technology, they still need people because it's people that are there to answer all the questions. It's people that are there to support. So if you're a corporate customer and you're going to have a round world trip, business trip, very important, you might be going to a couple of conferences and then you might, you know, have other business meetings in two or three other cities along the way. If you try and do that yourself online, it's possible to do, but... If you've got an experienced travel consultant that has been putting together international itineraries for the past 20 years of their life, they're going to look at your itinerary requirements and they're probably going to be able to come up with something within a couple of hours for you that is going to be an itinerary that you may not have thought of. Technology is fantastic and we all are using it at the moment more than ever before, but it's the people behind the technology that actually, or the technology that support the people that really is the best combination.
0: So with I'm not sure what their titles are the account managers that look after these do they have a certain portfolio that they look after so yes, like they a do. customer would have a relationship manager that they would deal with is that how
1: so it works 100% yeah, yeah. so it, well in our particular structure so we will have a corporate customer they'll have an account manager that manages the relationship the suppliers the reviews insights Um, and is their single point of contract, regardless of how many countries they may um, have a footprint in. And then depending on the size of their program, so some corporate clients will spend $20 million a year on travel. Wow. Or $100 million a year on travel. Heavens above. (laughs) Absolutely. And there are other corporate clients that spend half a billion or even more. On travel per year so depending on what their requirement is they will have then a dedicated travel consultant or a team of dedicated travel consultants or a multiple team structure to look after them so if I think about our business here and some of the customers that I've worked with we have teams of travel consultants looking after single customers but we have other teams that look after multiple customers just because of the customer requirements. It's all driven to what the customer, what the customer's program needs.
0: I hope you're enjoying Conversations with Grace. If you like, you can also listen to my other podcast, Your Road to Success, wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a motivational step-by-step guide, taking you from where you are now to living the life of your dreams. So have a listen. What do you think now, what what are going to be the repercussions in the travel industry as a whole? So I think that corporate companies will
1: look to have tighter contract management in place. So they will have um, maybe less suppliers. They will probably be more inclined to have a globally consolidated program with one travel management company. And they will have tighter control over which airlines their employees can travel with and tighter control over hotel programs. So in the past, a lot of organizations will have had a hotel program. But if you're going to a conference, you can stay at that conference hotel. hotel. I think that there will be a lot more organizations looking at protocol for cleanliness within the supply chain. So not just knowing who the suppliers are and being able to manage them and have a, an audit process when they award suppliers across all categories ground transport, accommodation, airlines, service suppliers. But also, this is the ideal opportunity for organizations to pull in what we refer to as the leakage. So, a lot of customers, a lot of travelers, individual travelers, they go to the same city or the same town every time they go out on the road and they stay in the same place. But I think now that companies need to be managing that a little bit tighter and need to know that where their people are staying, it's safe and safe in a different way than what we've ever referred to as safe before. But business is going to come back. We are going to start traveling before those solutions are in place. So we have to make sure that when I get into my car, whether that be a taxi or an Uber When I get in that vehicle to go to the airport, if I travelled by train to go to the airport or whatever the form of transport might be on the ground to get to the airport, that that is safe. And safety now isn't just a good driver or a new vehicle. Safe is actually down to cleanliness.
0: Cleanliness. So it looks like the hotels will have a different five-star award. I think other rating for them. I've
1: been talking to customers about that recently and that have already been looking at their hotel programs moving forward and they've been including questions around um, cleaning protocols in their RFPs for hotel programs. Yeah, it's going to be a big thing from now on, isn't it? Yeah, so I think that's going to be quite a change. Pretty much everyone that I'm talking to cannot wait to get out and travel again.
0: No, me too. (laughs) I was ready to book a holiday to, because um, I'm in a mastermind group, we're going to be writing another book together. So um, we were going to Boracay Island in um, Philippines. Yes. Yes.
1: You were going to go to Boracay to write a book or just to catch no, that up with the mastermind okay. group?
0: No, we started writing it, but it was there to do a mastermind retreat to go yep. more in depth into the book, but that didn't happen. So we're just going to delay that for a little bit longer, yep. <laughs> but that'll happen. Um, You'll be able to do it.
1: You'll be able to do it. Um, I think that domestically within Australia, um, corporate travel will pick up hopefully in the not too distant future. You know, we never know. New Zealand and Australia might open our borders and we might be able to go across the Tasman. Yeah,
0: it'd be lovely. That'd be exciting. Yeah. See, now that's exciting.
1: (laughs) And... um, Perhaps uh, some international destinations, it's all going to depend on the countries that open up their borders.
0: And there'll just be stricter screenings in place. Is it gonna take longer, the process will be longer to get in?
1: I think at the moment, uh, since Australia introduced the 14 day quarantine upon arrival, I think arrivals have become a lot longer, getting through immigration, getting your luggage and getting onto those buses to get to the hotels. So I think that has become a longer arrival process for people. But um, I actually travelled at the beginning of March. It was a personal trip that I went to the Maldives. Oh, beautiful. And I, oh, well, I can highly recommend it. And I could probably talk about that for a very long time (laughs) with you, but I won't. But I went to the Maldives and I went to the United Arab Emirates. And it was in the early days of the COVID situation. So... There was no border restrictions, and in fact, I was back home in Australia before our quarantine came into play.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: So I was safely back in the country, but of course, all the news then started being about it's people that have been overseas that are bringing it back into Australia. So I uh, undertook a self isolation myself, and I didn't go into the office just in case, and I waited for that fourteen day period. But arriving into the UAE and even into Mali Airport in the Maldives, mm-hmm. they had infrared cameras. So it didn't take any longer, but we were in there was signage and we were instructed to take our glasses off and look at the cameras as we walked into passport control. Wow. And there were people sitting there, they had their masks on and everything, and they were just sitting there watching us. There was only one hotel that I experienced that at though. So the hotel that we stayed at in Abu Dhabi on the way home, on the return trip, so I went up through Abu Dhabi. It's a long story why I went through, (laughs) but that's okay. (laughs) Um, And so we stopped in Abu Dhabi on the return from the Maldives and uh, the hotel that we stayed at, actually, we had to always enter through a certain door and they had infrared cameras there as well. And it was very easy. Coming back into Australia on the 11th of March, it took me five minutes from disembarking the aircraft, there was no one there because people had stopped travelling. So it literally took me five minutes to disembark the aircraft and pick up my bag. It was the fastest I'd ever arrived back into the country. You were
0: probably expecting all this hoo-ha. I
1: was. Well, I was curious. I was curious as to what the experience was going to be. But I think I was just in that period where people had stopped travelling and before then the following Sunday was when the government put in the 14-day quarantine. So I think it became a lot harder a week
0: later. I suppose it was that time where everybody was returning, I guess, from wherever they were. Yeah, yeah. It probably took a while to get everybody back to, back it to was, their home. I, th- I think
1: the time when I came back into Australia was that lull between there's the thing happening... That we have to be aware of, and that we're all aware of this thing that's going on, Mm. but it hasn't quite hit us yet. But people were nervous enough to not have been traveling, so that's why it was so quiet. Yes,
0: I think. um, I think it's given the world a rest. I think the world is recovering a little bit from all this stuff that we're doing to the planet. I'm not going to go into climate change or anything, but I think the world is having a rest, you know. I mean, if you look at the canals of Venice. I know. Right? they that got was... dolphins. I didn't realise that. Yeah, there's dolphins coming through and the water's so clear, you know. Yeah. Even, it sounds ridiculous, but my husband has a vegetable garden. I'm not really a plant. I'm an indoor girl. I'm not an outdoor girl. But anyway, I like to enjoy the vegetables he brings inside, right? Yep. And they are huge. I don't know if it's mother nature trying to tell us something, you know, it's, I could go in the fridge now and bring in a zucchini. The zucchinis are like 900 grams. We're weighing them. They're huge. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Well, congratulations um, to your husband. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> well, it's, obviously the soil's great, but this year for some reason, and I've noticed a lot of people on social media have been putting their homegrown vegetables. Yeah. On, um, sorry to go off, off the top they doing a segue of travel but yeah I think it's just mother nature's having a rest we're recouping we're debriefing we're going back to you know communicating we're communicating on zoom a lot too I think what's given us a lot of time to reflect yes what do you think
1: I agree with you 100% and I remember I think the first thing that I did see was the canals in Venice mm. and the cleanliness of them and then I I saw photos of blue sky in Beijing.
0: Get out of town. <laughs> and, Isn't that amazing? Uh, anybody
1: who's been to Beijing will know that there is never any blue sky, but no. right now they have blue sky in Beijing. Sky. Yep. Uh, so, And that was an early on sign as well. Yes. And then people posting photos of birds flying and singing in city squares. Yeah. That's
0: great.
1: That's and great. And only last night on TV, I don't know where this image was, but it was a whole lot of monkeys. So if you've been to Bali, I don't know if you've been to Bali and you've been no, not back been in Ubud, 1982. A, okay. <laughs> well, you can go up into Ubud into the mountains and there's, there's an area that you can go to where there's a whole lot of monkeys, you know, that are sort of like out and you just go walking through this forest area and, you know, you see all these monkeys. Well, this imagery that I saw, this visual I saw on TV last night was actually a all of these monkeys just on the roadways.
0: Wow.
1: Like on the major roadways, major intersection. I don't know what country it was. I wish I knew what country it was. And I looked at that and I went, oh, my God, isn't that amazing? I called out to my husband and showed him. And it's because there are no cars.
0: Yes. Because people are at home. That's right. They're not frightened. Not only are
1: there no planes, so the sky's a bit cleaner, there's no cars, so there is going to be a lot less pollution.
0: Yeah. It's funny you should mention that because... I was looking at Facebook this morning. I've got a few cousins in Boston and one of them put on there or outside her window and there's a coyote walking down the street. Mm. (laughs) So even the coyotes are coming out now. (laughs) How amazing. For more information about living your life purpose, you can download an exercise in PDF form which helps you uncover your purpose. This is located on the resources page of my website. So just go to gracechevelle.com.au slash resources. So what now for you? Do you have any goals or, you know how I said I love goals? You know Yes, <laughs> yes. Do you have any goals for yourself that you've set that you want to achieve? Um,
1: I always have goals.
0: Yeah? Yeah, I'm
1: like you in that way. <laughs> I do have goals. So I'm part way through my own manuscript, maybe. so it'd be handy if I actually could finish that. Yes, and I really should. <laughs> so maybe what I'll do is uh, take a leaf out of your book and uh, yes. <laughs> and pop myself an image up on a visual board yes. uh, to make myself complete that. I am. I have to say, I'm valuing working through this situation and helping to rebuild the business. So right now, anything that I might've been doing on a personal level has kind of been put to the side so that I can focus on making sure that our business that I work in is strong the whole way through COVID and beyond. So doing my part there. And I've been focusing on that a lot more. My book has kind of taken a little bit of a back step and, all that sort of thing. So what you just, have
0: to do is break down the goal. Yeah. So break it down into little pieces, like say, okay, between eight and 10 every night, I'm going to do so many pages. It's actually right. one of the episodes of my podcast. So you can listen to that too. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah. Cause a lot of goals are overwhelming. So people think cause they set big goals, which is great. And, But what you need to do is break it down into small pieces of small actions that you need to take daily to do it. Yeah. But I'm sure that's what you're doing. But if you stick to it and commit to it, you're going to finish that manuscript. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. And I think too, people really need to take this time to reflect and and it's sad for the people that have lost their jobs as well. But you know what? It might be a new chapter in their life. It might be something that they can do differently now. Instead of dwelling at home, have a think about what your strengths are. What do you love to do? What's your passion? You know, and maybe go and do that. Oh, I went
1: to a training seminar many years ago and the chap said, something good comes out of everything. That's it. So I've always remembered that saying. And of course, there's another saying that everyone will know, which is what doesn't kill me makes me stronger.
0: If you would like more information about goal setting, you can listen to my other podcast, Your Road to Success, where I go into the steps to the power of goal setting and dividing your goals into small actions. This can be found in episodes six and seven.
1: For everyone in our business that is in that stand down period of hibernation they've gone into, we hope that... Obviously we hope that everyone's okay. All of our teams are still in touch with each other. Um, We have regular Zoom calls. We have Friday afternoon drinks. Um, We have a Facebook messenger chat group where we're sending silly jokes and images to just keep in touch with each other. You've got to have a bit of fun with it, yeah. On our team level. But we hope that there will come the day where we can bring everyone back in Mm. Um, and it'll probably happen in stages. As our customers start traveling more, we'll need to bring the travel managers back into the business and account managers and things like that to like keep supporting the customer increase in travel back into whatever the normal looks like in the future. A lot of our people have been really lucky to get short-term work because there are some industries that have increased Absolutely. at this point in time because they're an essential service. Yes. And so some of our people have been able to get work with those organisations, which will tide them over to when they can then, you know, come back into us. And so the great thing about this period of time is that the term stand down has a strength connotation attached to it. It's not a negative thing. It's actually a strength thing. It's the phase that I'm in. It's not a bad thing. It's actually, right. I'm part of the stand-down crew. I'm part of the work-through crew. And while I'm part of the stand-down crew, I'm still employed with Flight Centre Travel Group and I'm actually getting JobKeeper and I'm able to go out. So there's a really, it's a really positive place to be once you get through that initial change of identity. It's a positive place to be because you can go out and use that time to study or... One of my colleagues has built a retaining wall and got a fire pit and I'm planning once we can socialise again that I'm going straight there because I want to sit around that fire pit and drink a lot of red wine. Love it. So there's there's a lot of positive things. One of the girls in our team, it took her, I think, three hours to actually get a position in a COVID call centre. So wow. a position, a, a role that would never have been available without oh, COVID, yeah. she got that role yeah. within three hours of getting yeah. her letter that she was going into stand down and now she's utilising her amazing customer service skills in a different way. And I was in touch with her at the end of last week, ch- chatting away, can't wait to have her back. But right now, yeah. we're all performing kind of different roles. All of us are performing different roles, whether you're work through or stand
0: down through, yeah. So more jobs have been created yes. because of this. You know, I mean, the coal supermarkets, they hired so many new people. Correct, um, yeah. And an example of that is one of my clients is a flight attendant and he's worked for he's worked for Qantas for years and years and years. And um, he got stood down. Well, well, I don't know the right term, but yep. he's obviously, you know, they can still go back. And he, he had the most wonderful attitude and I was so proud of him because most people would be very down and woe well, is me. What am I going to do? He said, no, it, everything's fine, Grace. I'm, I'm fine. I'm just going to apply for the cold supermarket on because they need people to pack the boxes for the online orders. Yep. And he came back three days later. He said, I've got the job. It's great. I love it. He goes, yeah. yeah, it's fine. I'll do that for now. And, you know, it's not as much as what I'm normally getting, but I'm getting an income. And this is the attitude a lot of people really need to have because if you have that attitude, Things will gravitate towards you that you need. Yeah, that's right. The resources. And being grateful for what you already have. So the more you are grateful, the more you get to be grateful for.
1: 100%, 100%. 100%. Yeah, as I was saying before, even myself, I'm part of the work through crew. So in essence, I'm kind of in the same role, but my role is different. My role is different because I'm engaging with people I've not engaged with before. I've got to think of different ways to also communicate to customers and create a whole new support level for colleagues. So everyone's different, regardless of what their core role is.
0: Organisations now are thinking outside the box. How can we do it differently to still get that income coming in?
1: How can we service
0: our customers in a different way? So, there's definitely going to be opportunity out of this. A lot of good will come out of it. We'll think differently, I think.
1: Yeah. I hope that we don't go back to that crazy rush mm. that we lived in. Yes. Because yeah. I think we almost hit a peak of email response, quick, be faster, be more productive. I think we hit that. Mm we were going to a place that was just we were contactable all the time and all of a sudden now we've had to slow down because we've been forced to stop yeah we can't go out as much so i know that personal relationships will change for the better because we value the conversation a lot more yes and i hope that that extends into business as well yeah no that's
0: terrific on the last note, um, what would you say would be one of your favourite books that has influenced your life? Oh, so this was a few years ago.
1: Um, I Someone recommended to me Lean In. Lean In? By Sheryl Sandberg. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a few books actually. Let me just check. Show me. <laughs> yeah. I do. Ha- I do have it here. So it's this one. Lean In. Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Sandberg.
0: Okay. And
1: um, it's a great book for women in business. Yes. To lean in. Lean in at the table. Don't take that seat at the back of the room. Sit up. Sit up and speak up. Put your hand up. Yeah. Go for that role. Put yourself out there a bit more for women in business. Just quickly, uh, Flight Centre Travel Group, we have internal business which is called WomenWise and it's women supporting women in business. Really? So this book referral came out of a WomenWise reading list okay. and, um, and I, I got a lot out of it. It's one of those books that I um, couldn't put down.
0: we all need one of those (laughs) it's a business book it's not a
1: holiday book it's a business book but i really got a lot out of it you know i would have been the person that would have pulled a chair up at the back of the room rather than uh, pulling a chair up to the table and now i'm very conscious of that so when i am in a meeting environment if anyone comes into the room and they think there isn't enough room at the table i make sure we make room
0: oh that's terrific that's awesome. There's an episode of my podcast and it's about what I call leaning into it. But yep. what I mean is for people that are not sure what they want to do, say if they really want to be a speaker, but they're not quite sure what they want, just lean into it. Start something. If you're not quite sure, it might not be the job for you. Lean into something else. So it's true about leaning in is a, is a very good formula to use. Yeah, You lean in and just try it, you know, make the first step. We're not saying that you've got to go 10 steps, just take the first step. So it sounds like a good book. I think I'll get <laughs> that book. <laughs> I like that advice, Grace. Take the first step, see how that feels, test the water. Yeah. And you don't have to see the whole road. You only, it's like driving a car <laughs> and you've got the lights on, but you can only see so far ahead. You don't need to see that. So you're just taking one step at a time. Yeah. Yeah thank you so thank you so much for joining me today julie we've had a wonderful and inspiring conversation thank you for having me it's been great i really enjoyed it thanks grace Mm -hmm. i hope we talk again soon thank you for sharing your expertise in the industry thank you my pleasure my absolute pleasure you've been listening to conversations with grace the podcast you can follow me on facebook instagram and twitter If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate and review this podcast. Join me next week for another episode of Conversations with Grace, Journeys to Entrepreneurship. For more information, you can go to gracechevelle.com.au. Thank you so much for listening.